This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, in the morning. You're listening to Battle for Malaysia, BFM's nomination day coverage. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Philip C. As the nomination process unfolds this morning, we are going to be hearing from analysts, political candidates, and also from BFM's news team for on-the-ground insights all the way up to noon today. Earlier on, we spoke to Ben Sufian of the Merdeka Centre for a little bit of a preview on what he thinks will happen this GE15 and going through some of the findings of their latest survey. If you missed any part of that conversation, you can look that up on the BFM app or on our website, bfm.my. It looks like it's going to be a very interesting election. I think we've seen some very interesting influences as well competing <laughs> to in the Batu. elections yes. in Batu, Cleopatra. But also what struck me also, just retweet on BFM News TV personality, Aswan Ali has decided not to contest against his brother, Asmin Ali, because he dreamt about his mother and she told him not to contest. And there were other reasons why I didn't contest against Black does run thicker than water. For sure. But I think some interesting seats that we do really, really want to uh, pay attention to include things, uh, seats like Pandan, where PKR Rafizi Ramli stands against yeah. re-election against heavyweight former MCA Ong Tiket, Barisan's Nationals Leo Kok Wai, uh, PN's Farik Zubir Akaria, and GTA's Nadia Hanifia. I think this is a seat to watch. Another big seat to watch is, of course, Sepang, where Rina Harun is standing. And Tambun, for sure. Yeah, between that, Anwar Ibrahim and Faisal Azamu. A lot of seats to watch. We are now turning, though, to Dr. Bridget Welsh, Honorary Research Associate at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia Asia Research Centre, for some thoughts on what makes this year's elections different from the last. Bridget, good morning. I understand that you're north of the country to us. You're somewhere up north. Uh, tell us what your observations are this nomination morning. Good morning. I'm in Kubampasu in Jutra uh, in Kedah. Um, and I will say that it is uh, the seats you should be looking at are the seats in, in these rural and semi-rural areas because they are very competitive and they're where the Malay struggle is happening. What makes this election different is we have, uh, we have a, a large number of swing voters. We have a three-party coalition, uh, sometimes four parties in places like Kubampasu. And we have a much more discriminating electorate looking at the election in a very different way. Not everything of course, is new. We still have a lot of old leaders running, and we don't have a focus on policies and issues, and still focus a bit on race and, and personality, but it is a very different contest. As you say, highly competitive, but I guess the competition is between Amno, Pas, Bursatu, right? In terms of who can claim the mantle of leadership among the Malay community there, who do you think is best able to divide or unify the Malay community here? Well, I think the Malay community is clearly not uh, united, and I think the election will, will show that. Uh, I think that uh, what we see is that we do have intensive competition. Pedrong has some strong candidates in some places, but as a coalition, it's not viable from a perspective of national standing. But the other coalitions uh, are really trying very hard, particularly BN and PN, uh, to try to assume that mantle. I think PN, BN still retains the advantage. In certain states, you can see there's different sets of dynamics. Here, of course, BN is contesting very heavily against past, trying to to offset some of the seats that they had won in the in, in the past. Um, so it's it is a situation where you know this is a Malay struggle about what the Malay community, how they see leadership and how they and who they want to be governed with. Um, and there's a lot of choices uh, there, but at the same time, uh, there's also not a lot of discussions of how any of these parties are going to actually help the Malay community. 
So Bridget, can you give us some insight into what is the mind of these voters, Malay voters in these rural and semi-rural seats? What is critical to them? What are the voter issues which are important? Well, it's, a, it's just like it is in the urban areas. It's the economy. Uh, more people are concerned about sustaining their livelihoods uh, and, and, and being able to send their kids to, children, to, to, to good schools, uh, to be able to survive in terms of very difficult times. The rubber prices have gone down. Um, I think this advantages cam- uh, candidates who have resources. Um, but, of course, uh, you know, uh, it's not just that. There are, uh, there are issues of patronage. Uh, there's issues of uh, religion. Uh, there's issues of a sense of uh, what type of leaders that the community wants. Um, and these are issues that, are, that I think that the community are wrestling with. You know, a place like Kubangpasu, which is uh, really kind of in the heart of Kedah, has a strong intellectual and educational tradition near a lot of universities. Uh, and we can see that this is one of the, a very a very competitive seat because it, it really tests the type of leader that uh, that uh, many of the Malay community want. And that's why I'm quite intrigued about this whole point about the leadership element because up north, you know, you have the 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 big. Uh, Mahate um, Muhammad and his son, right? How strong is that brand there, actually? I think the brand is still strong, and, and I think that I'm looking at three seats where the brand is going to be tested, obviously in, in Langkawi, uh, but in Jerloon, and, of course, here in Kubong Pasu. Uh, but the fact is is that, you know, uh, this is a past, gov- past state-governed, uh, place and uh, it, it is trying to uh, to use its position in government to consolidate more seats and the BN is trying to uh, to win seats in many of the seats here um, places like Jirai and uh, and places that, uh, you know we see a dynamic of where uh, they're really trying to push because the numbers for BN in the overall picture will come from these particular areas and these contests in Keda are very close because they are three-corner contests and sometimes four-corner contests with a split vote. And a lot of young voters which will swing the vote in different ways. I guess also other interesting seat north of Keda is Perlis and we know Arau very much highly contested with Shahidan Kasim now coming in as I think under the PN umbrella. How do you think that will play out now? There are two seats in Perlis that are very important, both Kangar and Arau. Both have been affected, uh, and even Padang Sarai, all three seats have been affected by what has happened in the, 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 the Zahid purge of, of warlords. Um, so I think Perlis, uh, where I'll be going next, um, is actually a much more competitive contest. Keep in mind that in Perlis, you also have a state election, and I think that will play out. The dynamics that are happening at the, at the parliamentary level will trickle down uh, to what happens at the state government. Uh, Bridget, is there any indication in terms of the voter turnout in these rural and semi-rural seats? Because, um, you know, there are surveys saying that there's a lot of voter apathy. Is that the case in, in these northern states that you're in? Well, first of all, there's uh, there's two different groups of people, right? The people who live here, mm. and I think we'll see continued high levels of turnout among the local communities. We could see it at the nomination center today, you know, with strong levels of supporters. When you talk to voters uh, that uh, that are that live in here, you're definitely coming out to vote, even those that are a little bit more. Uh, suspect and a little bit unhappy about what's on offer. But I think the, the challenge is, is the voters that live outside, the ones that have to come back, 
uh, particularly young students uh, yeah, in a place like Jitra who have to go back to vote other places. They don't have the resources for that. They don't have the support. The support buses are coming from Kuala Lumpur, but they're not coming from these smaller towns to go to other smaller towns. And so there are challenges uh, for people to go back to their places to vote, uh, and, uh, which are real because of the financial situations and the vulnerabilities that people feel in the current economy. Bridget, at the moment, we see that um, the Malay parties, they are divided. We've got UMNO on one side. We've got Pasan Bersatu on the other side. We've got GTA on the other side. I mean, depending on how the election results come out, what's the likelihood of them all coming together into one big coalition to form government? One cannot rule that out. Um, I think, you know, one of the big issues for this election is the issue of inclusion, particularly of non-Malays and Borneo. In the, and I think, uh, you know, there have, we saw the situation in the Sher- Sheraton move, where it was predominantly a Malay coalition, almost exclusively. Uh, and so uh, the, this is on the cards before, and it, the possibility of it coming together. The question will be how many numbers for different particular parties, and what will be the impact of that uh, in terms of the personalities think sometimes that the personalities at the top have very, very, uh, should we say, trouble relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that puts obstacles for certain types of alliances. Okay, talking about potential alliance, let's talk about Warisan, because they were reported saying that they're contesting in over 50 seats uh, in the hope of being a kingmaker. Do you see that happening in GE15? I think Warisan is not going to do well in the peninsula. Um, I think that uh, the question, of course, will be how they perform in Sabah and what numbers they get. Uh, their, their power is concentrated along the east coast in Sabah in places like uh, Silam, Lahadatu, uh, Semporna. I think they have a good chance of also winning Tawau. Um, but I, my sense is, however, that in terms of, uh, of the, being able to extend across Sabah uh, and they hold on to the very competitive seat uh, near near Kusimilambulu, which is Penampang, and even places seats like Sepangar, which are outside of that, that their numbers will become to determine how much uh, Warasan plays. Uh, uh, in terms of the kingmaker role, if they get four seats or, or they get 10 seats uh, or, or even more, I think at this point uh, they're in tough fights, uh, especially um, in the center part of uh, Sabah and along the eastern, uh, the, the west coast of Sabah. And when I hear you in the next two weeks, it sounds like the economy is going to be a big issue. And even so, when you dissect the economy part, it's about the income side, the opportunities to basically generate income. What do you think is going to move the needle in the next two weeks to shift voter intention and support? Look, one of the things that's happening in the competition between uh, PN and, and BN is that, you know, we have two, two coalitions that are relying heavily on patronage. That while the, the, this election is nowhere near it was during the one MDB Najib elections, it, there are, it is, some of the coalitions are definitely more flush. And you can see resources and, and, and uh, trying to influence the voters. And, and you have to understand that patronage issues really are important now because of the vulnerability of a large sections of the population. You know, the prices of goods have really sharply increased. People are feeling the pinch. Uh, and, you know, they, uh, none of the, the leadership in terms of the parties aren't talking about policies and they aren't talking and even for BN, it's not even clear who's going to be the PM candidate. What you have is, so the focus is, is that, you know, that many of the voters may look at the here and now as opposed to thinking about the future, uh, especially those that are more economically vulnerable. So I guess, is the PM candidate matter? 
I, well, I think it matters in Malaysia and it matters for investment and how Malaysia is perceived internationally. And I think uh, it matters because of the, the prime minister position has so much power and being able to a person to be able to bring the diverse parts of coalitions together will be critically important for the country. I think. Uh, 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 but in terms for ordinary voters, many of them are looking at the candidates or the party. Um, and, and this is, uh, you know, they're not looking at the, uh, at the issues of, say, Zahid Hamidi or Anwar Ibrahim, which are things that are covered more in the urban media. From the perspective of semi-urban and rural areas, they're very different perspectives. They look at uh, this person, will this person provide some sort of patronage access, or is this person rep- represent the values that I, I also uh, uh, support? And I think, uh, you know, uh, this is this is the dynamic that we see that's happening on the ground. So, Bridget, at the end of the day, how closely fought will GE15 be? How close will the fight be? I think we're definitely seeing lots of fragmentation. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I came into the before nomination day and before all the candidates were announced this week, saying at least a third of the seats were highly competitive. I, that number has moved up to 40%. I'm, I'll have to do a bit more of an assessment when I when all the, the dust settles after all the names are finalized. But I think, you know, what we, you know, Malaysian elections are always very competitive. And this one, uh, more so because of the high levels of uncertainty surrounding the swing voters and the young voters coming into the process. So I uh, I think, uh, you know, just a gentle reminder to everyone that vote, your vote will count, uh, even in the big constituencies where uh, in the urban areas, but it will particularly count in the semi-urban and rural areas where I think the battlegrounds are really being fought in states like Malacca, Green, Kedah, Pahang, uh, and Perlis. And Bridget, you've covered many elections in Malaysia and you've been around our country many times. I just want to know your observation. Is GE 14, is GE 15 going to be very different from GE 14? Is there a different atmosphere in, there, in the air? Yeah, it's definitely. There's no. There's not that much semangat yet. I mean, you can definitely feel the. No, there's not enough spirit or enthusiasm. You know, when things usually elections are really, really, you know, uh, portrayed as a kind of defining moment. I think uh, uh, here you the, the, there is some momentum, but that momentum is has has not uh, not to the same degree as is in the past because there are a lot of people still waiting and seeing what they whether or not how they want to vote or whether or not they will vote. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of fatigue, a lot of fed up. There's a lot of much more distrusting uh, perceptions of the politicians compared to the past. And I think the politicians will have to work hard, and the parties will have to work harder to win over the electorate. And so far, um, they haven't done uh, a lot that we would expect at this stage of the campaign. So, GE 14, 82% turnout. If you say there's not so much samangat, are we going to see turnout to be under 70% then? Well, we have inevitably the turnout is going to draw because the, we have a lot. We have now a situation where automatic registered voters are in the electoral roll, um, and these are voters that never registered before, they never participated before. We we saw in Johor that only 22 percent of those participated. So even if we increase that to 50 percent, we have a large number of voters. So that means that the overall turnout will drop. Um, uh, I think it's going to be different in different places, um, you know. And I think that uh, uh, this is now really up to the parties to who. You know, who finally got, you know, have resolved some of their uh, their divisional issues and chosen their candidates to see how they begin to mobilize. Two weeks is a long time in Malaysian politics, and the campaigns here uh, do take off. Um, I think, you know, we have definitely seen in the last few days as candidates been announced much more interest in the process. Uh, but the question is how much that's going to be sustained. But I do believe that voter turnout will drop overall.
Bridget, we've been talking about um, BN and PN as the main parties to watch in these uh, rural and semi-rural seats. Does that mean Pakatan Harapan is pretty much out of the picture when it comes to contesting in these regions? No, I don't think so. I think that uh, uh, it depends, but it does depend on the seat. So let's take an example of Pokok Sena, where Amana is running and Mafus uh, uh, is the candidate there. What we see is a situation where he has strong, you know, name recognition and 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 uh, branding in that particular constituency. Um, he has a fighting chance of retaining that constituency. His main contender uh, is Pas, actually. So we're at the party he used to be in before he joined Amana. So I think we, you know, it depends on the type of candidate in this set of locations. I'm looking, for example, at the town of Termolo in Pahang, which is a very hot seat um, uh, in terms of the dynamic. Uh, and you see, uh, when you have a lot of Malay competition, as you do in that seat, um, uh, the, then the, the, the smaller share of non-Malays who traditionally supported Pakatan Harapan have even more influence. What's going to determine the outcome in that seat is whether or not the 20 to 25 percent of people who live at, who vote in that area, but live and work elsewhere, come back and vote and shape the outcome. Uh, and I think that's going to be a very interesting seat to watch. Uh, it's also a, a seat that, that has been held by a, a, a Pakatan Harapan incumbent, which is now, now they're fielding somebody new, a younger uh, member of Amana from the youth. Uh, Bridget, talking about uh, talking about the youth, we have only 18 voters in you know this rural and semi-rural seats. Do we have any idea how they will vote, or will they even in the first place come out to vote? I think they will vote if they live in the area where they vote. Uh, and I think uh, there is, you know, many young voters, I spoke to some this morning, are quite excited about voting. Um, you know, uh, they are, there's an enthusiasm. Uh, they know that they, this is the, that they've won the right, especially those that are under 20. Um, you know, uh, they still don't know who they want to vote for. Uh, they're, they're watching the process. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, they, they ask questions. And, and I think that this is, um, uh, I, I think what we will see is, is what happens in the campaign. You know, we've seen surveys, which I'm sure you've reported. You know, 43%, for example, don't uh, of young people haven't decided, um, and and part of that is they haven't decided to vote as well. Um, but I think the ones that will vote uh, will be very impactful um, because they they can. It doesn't take much to swing these some of these close contests. Bridget, thank you as always for the chat. We will no doubt be catching up with you again in the two weeks that unfold. That was Dr. Bridget Welsh, Honorary Research Associate at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia Asia Research Centre, sharing her insights on what she's observing this nomination day. I found it fascinating that she thinks that the battlegrounds in Kedah is actually at the rural and semi-rural seats. We always thought it was semi-urban, but no, it's actually no, it's at the not. rural side here. Because when you, side. when you study the 222 constituencies, right, that really makes a big difference, yeah. actually. So yeah, we tend to be urban-centric because we are in Kuala Lumpur, but the fight is really out there in the rest of Malaysia. And it'd be interesting to see whether they'll be how they vote. But what's really common about urban and rural voters is that we all just want a better standard of living. We want an economy to be in a better shape. We're taking a quick breather. We'll be back with a look at the Malay Muslim voter demographic. Dr. Asma Tai, political scientist from University Science Malaysia, joins us for this chat. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.